Hello and welcome back to season two of Fertility Talks, the Therapy Fertility Podcast. I'm your host, Renee Van Medin, and I'm so happy to be back hosting our second season of this podcast. Each week, I'll be sitting down with a different guest and chatting all things fertility. As always, our hope is that through this series, through honest conversation and information, we can strip away some of the stigma that sometimes comes hand in hand with infertility and fertility treatment in Ireland. Today, we have in studio with us Neve O'Shea and Claire O'Donovan from Therapy Fertility, and we are going to be talking about something that doesn't get talked about a lot, and that is male fertility. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. You excited to be here? So excited. Oh, totally. <laughs> Not nervous at all? No. Not at all. <laughs> I know that, um, you know, in your roles, you perhaps wouldn't be doing things like this. Um, so I really do appreciate you being here. Um, so maybe you could both introduce yourselves and kind of um, give our listeners a bit of a flavor of what you do in your day-to-day job at Therapy Fertility. Who wants to go first? <laughs> I'll go first. Um, I'm Neve. I'm one of the nurses at Therapy Fertility. And I suppose I would have the most, maybe, as one of the nurses, patient contact. Um, so I would be one of the first people the patients would meet at their nurse consultation and then meet them throughout their process, whether that's at scans, at blood appointments, in theatre. We would kind of be with the patients every step of the way. Lovely. And Claire? Yeah, so uh, I'm Claire. I'm one of the embryologists at Therapy Fertility. So I work in the lab and we handle all things eggs, sperm and embryos. So you wouldn't have maybe as much patient contact? As... No, no. You kind of tend yeah. to see us like hopping out of a door or a hatch during like your egg collection <laughs> or embryo transfer. Um, but we're always there, you know, rooting for you. We're kind of in the background, but but uh, we're, the patients are always kind of in the front of our minds, even though we're not necessarily in the front of theirs. Yeah, for sure. Um, so one of the reasons we're here is because Therapy Fertility are running a two-week uh, male fertility awareness drive, which is really exciting because, um, you know, female fertility is something that we talk about a lot. And male fertility is just something that kind of gets forgotten, unfortunately. Yeah, don't you think? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's still unfortunately a real stigma attached to um, male infertility. And although a lot of clinics um, like us around Ireland are trying to sort of break this this stigma, it's, it's quite difficult. And you really need sort of men to kind of stand up and say, I want to be heard. I want to do, I want to be proactive about my reproductive health. I want to get the facts. I want to get the information. And from there, we can we can try and, and shift this stigma. Mm-hmm. And it's it's been done before, yeah, you know, in the sense of like, prostate cancer that was really under-researched and maybe there wasn't a lot of awareness and now after November it's you know really highlighted how a movement like that can can change people's opinion of, mm-hmm. of male infertility male disease yeah that sort of thing. so I suppose what we're going to be doing is we're we're actually going to be offering free semen analysis over the mm-hmm. course of four days I believe it's from the 19th yeah to 22nd of April so over the course of those four days men can actually come in and um get a free semen analysis you know so potentially people who have never had their fertility checked before and how important is is it that you know people do get checked early oh it's so important it really is um I suppose because otherwise men would never know and I think this is kind of the first step in taking control of their own fertility Mm. and their own I suppose, yeah, their own bodily autonomy and being able to do these tests will then give them that knowledge and that information that if they did need to seek treatment, they'd know about it as early as they could. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if anyone is interested in um, in, in getting a free semen analysis, they can just get in touch Absolutely. with us, yeah? Yeah. Okay. 
Cool. So let's let's go back to basics. What actually is a semen analysis? <laughs> um, so first of all, once you produce a sample and, and, and we do your identification details and everything in the lab, we'll do a microscopic assessment and a macroscopic assessment. So macroscopic is sort of like the visual parameters, um, appearance, viscosity, you look at pH and, and volume, that sort of thing. Uh, microscopic then we focus on sort of three primary parameters that they're the really important ones for like dictating your treatment plan afterwards and that is concentration motility and morphology which are kind of like elaborate mm. words but they're really really straightforward what do they each mean so concentration is how count. many exactly. there are how many they are exactly uh, motility is how well they swim that's the main function of a sperm they need to be fast they need to get that egg first so mm -hmm. they need to swim really well um, and then finally, morphology is appearance. It's what it looks like. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we like good-looking sperm for, for good-looking eggs, essentially. Okay, so when you're getting a semen analysis, what is what is the purpose of it? So yes, you're looking at how many they are, like what it looks like, how fast it is, but why, why would a person be getting this done? I suppose it's for fertility potential, so that somebody would know whether or not the sample that they're producing would give them a likelihood that they would be able to conceive naturally. Okay, so say for people coming in to get checked and this is outside of people who, who know that they, they need to go through fertility treatment, but for someone coming in to get checked, if they have maybe what's what's seen as a poor semen analysis, they would know that perhaps there is there are some issues there that would mean that conceiving naturally in the future would be unlikely. Yeah, yeah it could be more difficult. I think yeah. even more importantly, yeah. like, it gives them the opportunity to make a change in their lifestyle and men are really really lucky in the sense i know this is a thing and like yeah, a lot of people so don't a lot of people don't know this mm. that yeah so they make a brand new pool of sperm every three months whereas we know as women we're born with our complement of eggs so unfair eggs. isn't it <laughs> they have all all the pros but it's them. but it's amazing though that someone who does come in with with what would be classed as a, a poor or substandard result is able to be proactive and actually do something yeah. to change that yeah, yeah absolutely yeah, yeah but it does make sense you know it's something that's being made actively in your body so of course your general health mm, yeah. affects that same with all the rest of our cells in the body you know um but yeah it, it does give men the opportunity to be really proactive yeah. and 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 eventually get hopefully see that benefit at the end you know um so what are the things well let's let's first talk about what are the things that could affect assume analysis and then we'll talk about what what could improve it so what what could affect it so like life, from a lifestyle yeah. point of view so lifestyle wise would be a smoking is a big thing so mm. um if a man is a smoker he's more likely to have an abnormal semen analysis so if somebody came in and they were smoking they could reduce or ideally completely stop um smoking and they generally speaking would see an improvement mm. in their sample um, other things like um, high bmi maybe like um so if somebody was overweight they could try and lose weight and they could see an improvement um, other things would be alcohol, recreational drug use, all of that will impact things. So they could re reduce alcohol intake, of course, stop drugs, and um, and they would de generally speaking see an improvement in their sample. Mm -hmm. And are there other things from a lifestyle point of view, like you know going to the gym and you know using supplements and <laughs> you know things like this? Yeah, exercise, of course, is really good. So yeah. exercise mm -hmm. isn't a negative thing, but yeah, like if somebody was using like steroids and yeah, yeah. Steroids and things like that they yeah. would have a huge negative impact on a semen analysis what about yeah. like using saunas and jacuzzis yeah. and that sort of thing yeah cool if somebody was using maybe excessively if somebody was in the sauna occasionally that would yeah impact temperatures things. is that to do with heat yeah, yeah. yeah. So the testicles need to be kept cool yeah so yeah if there was like 
prolonged raise in temperature within the testicles then possibly yes that could impact someone's semen analysis and in terms of like people's careers and work are there any types of like you know jobs that you might be coming into contact with you know certain yeah I mean like if you're a truck driver and you sit on a heated seat for eight hours in the day that's not so great for for your sperm um obviously if you're exposed to like you know toxins like lead or you know obviously that that would negatively affect affect sperm but generally you know, as long as you're not really, really stressed out or anything, your, your job shouldn't really affect, yeah. affect your semen analysis. And are there any kind of conditions that you maybe were, are, would be born with that would affect um, your, your, your fertility? Like, you know, and obviously you'd probably know about this. It wouldn't be something that would just show up in a, yeah. in a semen yeah. analysis, but are there any types of... There's yeah. lots. There are, there's lots. I suppose there's, you could have some congenital issues or chromosomal issues mm. so sometimes it, like that if somebody's born with a chromosome abnormality they might have an extra chromosome like Kleinfelter's or cystic fibrosis that can sometimes pose a challenge for um natural conception otherwise some people might be born with undescended testes and that's a physical condition that mm. can be corrected in childhood but sometimes can impact someone's semen analysis yeah. later in life the kind of shocking thing is yeah. is this actually only makes up about like a percentage or two of, yeah. of male infertility cases the majority of, and, and people are going to hate this answer, but about 48 to 50% of male infertility is completely unexplained. Right. Yeah. Um, and we, we don't know the answer. And it's so frustrating to tell a patient. But then, like, all of the other reasons, uh, so, some reasons are a little bit, you know, like you, about 12% of men have a varicocele, and, and that negatively affects sperm production. But generally, you can go to urologist, get it treated, mm-hmm. and, and potentially naturally conceive after Is that, that. like a, a varicose? It's like a varicose vein. Yeah. In yeah. The yeah. So it's a dilation of, of the veins in the testes. So they sort of protrude out and, and so they it cause kind of block increase in temperature. Or... Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they're relatively like quite common in men, and it's something you should be really aware of as a man because it's visually. Um, you can see very, it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I think people are really shocked by, you know, immediately we're like, oh, hormonal deficiency in not mm-hmm. producing testosterone, testosterone is still only a couple of percentage. Same with Whereas people lifestyle. might assume that that would be account for a, a yeah. huge percentage. Yeah. 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 Infection actually is, yeah. is another couple of percent. So, um, obviously if you've any sort of infection, it, it negatively affects your sperm production or whatever. Um, and then there's there's certain infections like mumps and stuff that you can get when when you're like post pubertal that negatively affect your sperm production too. So the majority of male infertility is unknown. Yes. Yeah. And do you think that one of the reasons it's still unknown is that there hasn't been a huge amount of research in the area? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. If you look, if you compare the research on eggs and embryos mm. versus sperm every year, it is a fraction. Mm. And like the, you see this in, in normal, like male reproductive health. You know, we had a contraceptive pill for women in 19, what, 60, mm. 1970. We still don't have a male contraception. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's absolutely bonkers. Yeah. So we are really, really behind in terms of, it's not just male fertility, it, it's male reproductive health that we're just we're behind the pace, you know. I wonder why that is. I don't know. Is it because the focus is mainly on the female during mm. the whole process? Like, yeah. Regardless of whether or not somebody's a male factor or there's a female issue, it's the it, most of it's happening to the female. You know, for for say yeah. IVF or an IUI cycle, they're the ones taking the medications. They're the mm. ones having the procedure done. Yeah. Which, is, like, which is not the case at all. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's really like it's a two person experience and you're as equal to your wife and, and yeah. as equal do you know yeah. so it's just the focus just does not seem to be on the men yeah, yeah. it's much yeah. more on the female yeah, yeah. okay so in terms of act, actually coming in and 
producing a sample because this is something that a lot of times probably one of the reasons why people don't get checked is the thought of going to a clinic and producing a sample is a bit embarrassing you know and daunting for for, for people so what actually is the process because I know it's really not a big deal in the clinic it's something we do all day every day literally all day every day it's not something that we want people to be nervous about or embarrassed right so we have two two um semen production rooms yeah Mm -hmm. so you're you're brought through name date of birth we usually ask abstinence period which will be two to three days Mm -hmm. and we bring you into the uh, production rooms they're kind of secluded they're in the back of the clinic yeah they're quiet they're comfortable and there's no time limit you're just left to produce your sample so it's not like there's someone waiting outside the door saying are you finished yeah Yeah. do you know what i mean you're just left to your own devices and whenever you're finished then you can drop it into the hatch into claire in in the lab and um and then you're free to go it's really yeah, straightforward. It really is. And when you consider some of the other invasive tests that exist, this is really simple, yeah. efficient. You're in that in 20 minutes if, if yeah. you want that. And, you know, if, if if you're ever worried about it or if you have any sort of reservations, you can always just speak to one just of us. us. Yeah. 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 And we'll work out. We'll work out a solution we're so some other way. This. You know, this is our everyday. So we're yeah. well able to put somebody at ease. Yeah. And yeah. Make sure they're relaxed. Yeah. Absolutely. And if someone is just, it's not happening, no they problem. can come back. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It happens all the time. It does. Yeah. It really yeah. does. And and yeah, it's just reschedule. Try it again another day. Yeah. Take several attempts. Doesn't, doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Which I think is really important to for people to know because... Yeah, absolutely. It is just one of those things that 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 people don't really talk about. And, absolutely, you yeah. know. Yeah. yeah. Then they, you know, you make it much bigger in in your head in your than head. what it actually absolutely. is. Yeah. Okay. So, um, in terms of when we're talking about um male subfertility or infertility, when 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 we're looking at like people coming for IVF or ICSI, how how much does that account for for like reasons for for needing to access, you know fertility treatment because again there is this misconception still that a lot of the time it's because of female infertility that people are accessing fertility mm-hmm. treatment so how how much of say the cycles that are coming through therapy fertility are due to male factor or both yeah, it, yeah. it's really 50 50 it is yeah um and a percentage of that would have both male and, and female, female. Yeah. but i don't think people realize that that it really is incredibly common um and it's not us just dealing with female factor all the time it really is a, a break down the middle yeah. yeah which again kind of makes it so crazy that you know the research is not there yeah. the emphasis is yeah, not there if yeah. it's just as important yeah and it, it's sad really in the sense that we haven't, you know, we still, the semen analysis is the gold standard of mm. testing for male fertility. And it's been like that since what, 1950s. Yeah. It, it really hasn't advanced yeah. since then. We have DNA fragmentation testing, which gives us a little indication of what's happening inside the sperm. But beyond that, we really don't have a lot to test. And and it's it's frustrating for us too, as, as embryologists, that we're we can't give patients some answers that we really want to know. We want to know the answers. They want to know the answers, mm. but we can't give them. Yeah. Mm. What is the difference between, um, and most, most people listening to this will, will kind of be well aware what the difference is between IVF and ICSI, but mm. some people may not. So what, what is the difference and what would be the reason for choosing one over the other in terms of um, male factor? So most of the time, ICSI is chosen when there is a male factor issue. Um, so yeah, if somebody has an abnormal semen analysis, generally speaking, ICSI would be the advised treatment. And it's like, a, it's an extra step. I suppose, Claire, you're, you're the one who's doing it all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's funny. IVF and ICSI is, is mm. such a talking point in the sense that people sort of, 
get it into their heads that ICSI is better. Is better. It's yeah. absolutely not, not the case. I 100% before, you know, I kind of became more familiar with it. Like obviously we, we went through IVF mm. to have both of our, our girls and uh, the first cycle was an IVF, but then we were in a different clinic and they just did ICSI as standard. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And we just thought we were getting be- better value for our money. I know, it's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. And, and yeah. sometimes that narrative is kind of pushed out, but it really, yeah. it really isn't the case. They treat very different clinical indications. Mm. Um, so ICSI, as, as Neil said, is for male factor or potentially failed fertilization. Mm. Um, it When you look at the statistics, like there's quite a body of evidence to show that IVF and ICSI in people without male factor infertility, there's absolutely no difference. In fact, IVF mostly outperforms ICSI. So it's really important to emphasize that ICSI is to treat a certain clinical indication. It is by no means better. You just sort of bypass. It's not the issue. IVF plus. No, no, absolutely no. not. Absolutely not. Mm. And it's really important to be kind of informed on, on these things. Obviously, it costs a little bit more. Mm. Um, and, and don't get me wrong, it's brilliant for male factor infertility and, and it works really well and we get great success from it. But it is because, you know, we have a, a sperm issue there. That's mm. why it works. Here's a question Do you have to do an ICSI if you're using uh, frozen eggs? Yeah. yeah. And why is that? The, the freezing and thawing process for eggs um, can be a little bit traumatic yeah, for, for, the, the for the eggs. Yeah. Okay, so it's just, an, it's a it's more likely to fertilize. It's, it's yeah. just improved fertilization rates. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Because yeah. the egg has been frozen. But yeah. fresh eggs, there may, it may not necessarily be an indication. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Mm. Um, so we have asked some questions on our um, socials over the last week, and we have some questions that came in for you too. Okay. If you wouldn't mind answering them, Um, all about sperm. So, um, so someone asked when using donor sperm, um, what mott would be considered appropriate to give the best chance at a successful outcome? And maybe you could explain what mott means for for people who don't know. Sure. Um, So at Therapy Fertility, we use mott 20, IUI ready um, straws. So mott 20 means that when we thaw the sample, there's 20 million motile sperm in that sample. Uh, it doesn't mean really 20% motility. Um, it's 20 million motile sperm. Um, we ask you to buy this particular sample. You can buy lesser modes, but what ends up happening is you end up buying a lot more straws because they're not as good quality. Mm. So we'd prefer you to get one quite good straw and then that will hopefully lead to... So quality good. over quantity. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Okay. Um, so we kind of briefly touched on this, but can you talk about the damage that mumps does to male fertility yeah so mumps causes swelling and so as a result then the if the testicles were to swell because a man had an active mumps infection that can then impact like sperm production and the quality of the sperm in the testes Mm -hmm. so that can impact it because of the like the swelling the heat the inflammation of the testicles the good news is Mm. though it really it's only about 20 to 30 percent of post-pubertal men that suffer from male infertility and it's incredibly rare that you get to a stage that you don't produce sperm mm, you just yeah. might produce less okay so yeah. it's, you know it's not it's not all doom and, and gloom yeah okay. and most people are vaccinated for yeah. months and they get the MMR. more yeah, yeah we exactly. have a booster then at 12 so most people are vaccinated from it so it's an unlikely enough um infection but yeah yeah okay so important to get 
Fuck's sake. Yes. <laughs> um, when would you consider checking the sperm DNA fragmentation? So you mentioned this, that it, it's, mm-hmm. it is another test that we can yeah. do. Um, in what scenarios would that be kind of indicated? Yeah, so it, it's not for everybody, um, but there's certain lifestyle things that we would look at. So um, in men over 40, smokers, men with any kind of maybe medical conditions, diabetes, high blood pressure, cholesterol, gout, things like that. Um, if say men with a high BMI and um, heavy smokers, men with a higher alcohol intake, things like that would sometimes give us an indication that there's a possibility that the DNA fragmentation could be high. Um, so in those cases, we would do that testing, but it's more expensive. It takes a while for the results to come back that we don't do offer it for everyone. Um, but if somebody wants to have it done, they absolutely can. You know, the, we, if somebody just chose to have it done, there's no issue with that. We absolutely could do it, but it's not something that, that it would be recommended yeah, for everybody. Everybody has to have. Yeah, it's not kind of a. And a is it possible that like you'd have a normal semen analysis and then an abnormal, you know, you'd, you'd find issues within the DNA? Yes, we would see that. Yeah, it is, yeah. it is possible. Mm, yeah, okay. yeah. It's probably not as, as common. There's usually probably an indication. You'd probably see something or in, have in some the. Idea yeah, but as yeah, absolutely maybe. possible. Yeah. 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 Okay. Mm. What does motility and viscosity mean and why would it be an issue? So we've covered motility. <laughs> yeah. So motility is how the sperm swim, swim, how yeah, it moves. So. What, so what's viscosity and I, why, you know, why do people get hung up on it? Why, why does it matter? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really just the thickness of, of the sample. Yeah. And, and we really noted down on the semen analysis report to sort of infer, inform our like preparation techniques when you come back for treatment. Yeah. So typically, if, if you're coming for, for treatment, we would maybe dilute the sample with MHM, which is our culture media, or pass it through like a hypothermic needle to try and, and, and break up some of the viscosity. Um, if you're coming for a semen analysis, a really good idea is drink lots of water and that tends to, to reduce the viscosity. Because if it was reduced, it's e- is it easier to work with? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So what happens is if it's too thick, the sperm find it really difficult to... So like in normal physiology, usually when... when the sperm are deposited into the vagina the very first test of a good sperm is can it swim from the seminal fluid mm. sperm don't like to sit in the swim, seminal fluid they want to get out of there straight mm. away and it's sort of a barrier to get rid of those really weak swimmers and it's only the good ones that escape and that's really only the first obstacle of the, the sperm have a really really <laughs> long long route to get to that egg so that's yeah. why they need to be really really good okay so if you're coming in for an analysis or a treatment drink lots of water yeah drink lots of water okay yeah. <laughs> Um, does age affect male fertility in the same way that it does with women? Not in the same way. No, men wouldn't have as short, I suppose, a window of reproductive life that women would have. But you would see um, eventually, yeah, like men in their, like older men, maybe in their later 40s into their 50s, you could possibly see um, like a kind of a more suboptimal result than you would see in, say, someone in their 30s. Mm. Yeah. I'd say probably from mm. a lab point of view, from about 40 onwards, mm. you do begin to see, you see a lot higher DNA fragmentation. Yeah. Um, sometimes you see uh, sort of dysfunction in the mm. accessory glands. So the accessory glands in, in the male reproductive tract are the bulbourethral gland, the seminal vesicle and the prostate, and they all work to sort of um, secrete into what makes up the seminal fluid afterwards. Um, and they also manage the pH of the seminal fluid. And sometimes if you have dysfunction in any of those glands, the drop or increase in pH can, ex- can you know, negatively affect sperm. And also some of the vitamins and minerals and fructose that, that is in seminal fluid aren't there in such high amounts. And, and you can get that sort of um, damage to sperm. Um, but as Neil said, it's, it's not like 
you know, women here that you drop off side of a yeah. cliff at 35, at 35, yeah. 35 yeah. But there's definitely, you know, we're definitely, there's a growing body kind of evidence that suggests yeah, is, that yeah. 40 is, is the kind of time that it begins to, to decline. Yeah. Here's a random question. Mm-hmm. I wonder what the oldest age is like on record for, for oh, someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be interesting yeah. though, you know, how, how long is it possible for? Okay. So what are the treatment options? Again, we've kind of covered this. If there is a male factor, um, what are the treatment options? Is it just ICSI? Yeah. Well, first of all, it would, uh, we would say lifestyle issues, yeah. get that down to a T you need to be doing it for about three months before mm-hmm. you come for your treatment. Um, and maybe yet yeah, then if, if we're still seeing an issue, um, ICSI. Okay. Um, I hope I pronounced this right. How common is Kleinfelters? And do you know why it causes infertility in men? Mm-hmm. Kleinfelters isn't that common. No. Uh, one in 660. And it's an extra X chromosome. So instead of the man being XY, he's XXY. And so as a result of this chromosome abnormality, this will cause infertility in men. And does this result in com- a complete infertility? Is it still possible to in genetically father a child? or In some cases, it would be complete infertility, yeah. So your only option really would be to use donor sperm, perhaps? Yeah, in, in certain circumstances. Now, it certainly would be worthwhile to, you know, be seen by a specialist, mm-hmm. produce a semen analysis, and, and see if there is any sperm present. But in some cases, couples with, um, I suppose, a male factor of Kleinfelters would be advised to use donor sperm. Okay. Yeah. Um, last question. If someone has poor motility and morphology, is a natural pregnancy still possible? Is it in the realms of possibility? Yeah, so obviously we we can't say that it's impossible to get pregnant with that sample. Uh, The chances are just very, very low, to be honest. Um, It depends on how severe your your parameters are. You know, if it's just slightly under the Mm. normal threshold, you might have a better chance than someone who's really significantly you know has severe stenosuspermia so severe lack of of motility or or equally severe teratosuspermia which is a very very low number of normal um sperm but if that were the case then obviously tr- fertility treatment would be an option then. absolutely treatment yeah. with yeah. would be they give the highest chance of, uh, of a pregnancy okay yeah. cool well thank you so much for um coming in and chatting to me i hope that was as painless as possible <laughs> Thanks so much for um us. and yeah it's really really great to have these conversations and normalize talking about male fertility we hope you've enjoyed this episode of fertility talks the therapy fertility podcast if you have please rate review and subscribe For more information on the services we offer, you can visit www.therapyfertility.com.